0: An important food, a healthy food, and a basic food that can be served in more than a hundred different ways. No magic and no miracles, it's against the rules. Up and down the aisles, the shopper goes, and what you buy, nobody knows. Hello and welcome to the Fat the Weight Loss Show. My name is Aaron and I am your host for today's episode. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, let me introduce myself. Firstly, I am from Australia, if you hadn't already guessed from the accent, and I run a ketogenic food blog called Fat for Weight Loss, found at fatforweightloss.com.au, and the aim of this podcast is to dig into the world of nutrition, fitness, and everything in between. I'm a nutritional therapist and an advanced sports exercise nutritional advisor. However, I'm not a doctor, so I cannot give you any medical advice. This also applies to any guests involved in this show. Please make sure you consult your doctor before making any changes to your diet or medication. You can find me on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at Fat for Weigh Loss for delicious keto recipes, meal plan videos, and drool-worthy food photography. So let's get right into it. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Robert Sykes, founder of Keto Savage, and together with his fiance, Crystal, Keto Brick, and many other things in the keto space. He's a lifetime natural competitive bodybuilder. He wakes up early, works incredibly hard, and accomplishes many great things. In this episode, we talk about creating a physical product company known as Keto Brick, his new operating manual for everything that encompasses his life, known as the 6x6 over on his YouTube channel, and his approach to fitness and Time management. Robert is such a great guy, and I am so glad I got to do this interview with him. If you haven't already listened to Crystal's episode, go back and listen to episode 11 as well. So let's get started. This episode is brought to you by the Complete Keto Diet. Have a think about this for a second. How long will it take you to reach your health goals? Is it four weeks? Is it three months? Is it six months? Is it a year? Maybe you don't need to lose weight, but you're struggling with the whole lifestyle thing that everyone keeps talking about. Who is going to be around long enough or be committed enough to you to help you achieve your health goals? That answer is me. I created the Complete Keto Diet specifically to help 10,000 people achieve their health goals over the next five years. That means I'm there for you in the beginning, through the plateaus, and the maintenance of your journey towards better health. But why 10,000 people? Well, simply put, I want to bring you the most actionable and realistic ways to get your health right using the ketogenic diet. But I also want to make sure that everyone succeeds and nobody gets left behind. Your name is very important to me. So how does it all work? Well, this is done with a ketogenic meal plan that is sent to your inbox every single week. You might have seen some of my YouTube meal plan videos on creating simple ketogenic meal plans, which are getting very close now to a million views alone. The advantage of my meal plans over others is that you are given simple recipes with simple ingredients with a great variety of food. You won't be eating the same meal every day. And best of all, I include substitutions for dairy-free, nut-free and other types of allergens. Plus, all of the ratios are calculated for you. You'll be saving money with shopping lists that only include the items that you actually need. Not only does it come with weekly meal plans, but we do a weekly coaching session with everyone so that you can get your answers solved right away. You also get exclusive tools and resources, exclusive deals on all your favorite keto-friendly products that will probably save you more money than you think, plus a community of people to help you always succeed and keep you accountable every single step of the way. Sustainability is the key to long-term success with the ketogenic diet. I am not here to help you drop as much weight as possible in a three-month period. I am here for life. If you think this is what you've been looking for, I offer a seven-day free trial for anyone who is looking to see if it's the right fit for them. I offer steep discounts for six-month and yearly memberships that include one-on-one sessions with me as well, so you'll always have the answers. Head on over to www.complete.com. KetoDiet.com and enter the code PODCAST to receive 15% off the membership. Oh, and did I mention that everything is in Australian dollars? Hurrah! Go to www.completeketodiet.com and enter the code PODCAST to start moving towards your health goals today. So welcome to the Fat for Weight Loss show. Um, Keto Savage, it's fantastic to have you here. Um, welcome to the show. Hey, man, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. No, no worries, man. Um, look, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's so great to have you on here, not only because, um, you have your own podcast, uh, but, you know, I, I have, I have so many questions to ask you just about, um, oh, just about everything. Like, where do I start? <laughs> but I think that the, the, the first Part that I'm going to start with is I was watching a few of your uh, your latest vlog YouTube videos and uh, and Bruce came up. Do you mind letting us know a little bit about Bruce? <laughs> Bruce, oh yeah, Bruce, Bruce, is, Bruce
1: is a good, close friend of mine. He's, um, he's an orb spider that just kind of builds a web underneath our kitchen table every single day. Um, <laughs> we just moved, we're living in the Marshall Building, that's what we're doing. Because we're going all in on this business, but uh, yeah, we have a spider. We have nice little mice that join us every once in a while in the warehouse portion. Um, <laughs> it's totally chaotic in our house right now, but we're trying to get everything renovated and fixed up. And yeah, Bruce Bruce joins us, joins us for lunch every day.
0: <laughs> it's nice to have company at the lunchtime table, you know. And, uh, <clears throat> I just thought that was a, a great little little uh, little thing that you know it was part of the video and. And so it's, he's now part of the podcast too. So that's great. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, you know, um, you know, you go by the name of Keto Savage, but Robert, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about who you are, what, what you do. Like, you, you, you know, for, for those people out there who maybe don't follow you on social media or follow along with what you do, can you sort of give them a little bit of background and understanding on what goes through uh, your everyday and then what you're sort of trying to achieve? Ooh, that is a really big question, man. Um,
1: I guess I mean I'm a, I'm a competitive natural bodybuilder that I and I've been doing keto strictly for four years now. Um, I, I offer coaching. I I uh, podcast and create YouTube videos. I'm building a business right now in the keto space. Um, I've started a food product business. So my day to day as a business owner and influencer is totally random. It changes uh, on the fly. I've been doing daily YouTube videos for quite a while now. I'm starting up a new series with that. So constantly trying to figure out what footage I want to get for the day to add some kind of value on the YouTube platform. Uh, but yeah, it's a no, no defined job description, but that's just kind of a
0: general idea right there. I love it. I love it. And, um, and for those who are, have listened to a few of these podcast episodes, you might have heard that I interviewed Crystal a few weeks ago and, uh, and you guys just recently got engaged. So congratulations. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. She's, she's an angel. She's, uh, she's awesome. I, I proposed
1: to her at her competition and, and yeah, she's, I can't say enough good things about her.
0: <laughs> That's fantastic. And, uh, you know, for anyone who, who, uh, wants to watch the, the video on the, on the proposition then uh, that 's on youtube and i 'll link it in the description below because it 's a really awesome video it 's fantastic and uh, so you know the, as you were saying before, like you go through as an influencer and a, and a business owner and a coach and and a competitive bodybuilder yourself um, and those days can get quite hectic but let 's let 's sort of dive into a few of those uh, few of those things in particular because um, i think I think it 's so interesting to be able to wear multiple different hats and and to be able to do so well at those um so i guess maybe let's talk about the keto brick first because this is probably first and foremost um one of your your big projects that's happening right now (laughs) Mm -hmm. and uh and as you said you know you've got this commercial warehouse that uh you know you've recently just bought this big van and you're really starting to scale up this business how has it been um you know Prior to this, you—I I, think—you were doing lots of online coaching and sort of, you know, sometimes that might be in person. But how is how? What changes when you go from doing work online and work within yourself to actually creating a physical product? And and is that something that was uh, you you thought might have been the way that you were going to go? No, exactly. In fact, it was the exact opposite. I never wanted to have a physical
1: product. Like I always fought the idea of having a physical product because I liked being so flexible with working, you know, from my computer from anywhere. I mean with my online coaching, I could I can do that from anywhere with a good Wi Fi and laptop. And um I, I just like being flexible. Like I wanna travel. I still want to travel. I just have to kinda of get creative with how I'm gonna integrate that. Uh but yeah, keto brick was totally an accident, but I'm glad it happened because it's brought a whole nother realm of fulfillment into my life and just life lessons and, and, and things that i never would have expected but having a physical product i mean owning your own business whether it's physical or online based it's going to be a hard challenging thing no matter what i mean you're constantly you know going through the day trying to take one step forward move the needle in the right direction and you've got you know multiple hats that you're wearing you're doing so many different things all at once uh with physical product it's it's just a whole nother layer of complexity because there's just so many moving pieces. Like I've got to make sure my suppliers are sending me ingredients. I've got to make sure they're sending me the right ingredients. I've got to make sure I've got the packaging supplies I need. I've got to make sure that when I do shipping and fulfillment that everybody's getting what they need. Um, you know, and then when they get their products, I've got to make sure that all the feedback's good and I'm engaging with them on social media. And then if there's any issues, I got to make sure to correct course and fix that. I've got people that are working here. So I got to make sure that I'm able to get them paid up and have a good positive working relationship with them, and the vibe is good. It's just so much more um, involved because there's so many more people involved. But it's I don't know, it, it's fun, I'm, I'm enjoying it.
0: Yeah, it's it sounds like you're having a blast, and um, and I think part of you know the reason why keto break has has seemingly had a lot of su- success is that. They just sell out so quickly, you know, and, and what was the process to creating the hype behind a physical product? Because there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of people out there who might have a physical product and they're wondering, how do I, how do I create hype behind a product? How do I build a community? How do I do these types of things so that I can, I have this problem where I can't keep up with the demand? What was, what was the process for you trying to, um, you know, build a solid relationship with your with your customers
1: well i think with that you have to basically reverse engineer like i a lot of companies have a physical product and they try to find people to market that to and fall short because they don't have any you know audience or, or loyalty established whereas with me you know i never plan on having a physical product so i put all of my time and energy and emphasis into you know engaging with people online with the podcast with the youtube videos um, and it was just like a really true and authentic long game approach to, you know, establishing value and building a relationship. And then when I accidentally happened to create this keto brick and, and make a physical product of it, like the people were there and they were willing because they trusted me and they had the, you know, the loyalty there. Um, so I had, I had an audience to sell to right from the get go, which is, is so much more, um, it's just, it just works. Like that, that kind of approach takes a long time. It's not easy. You have to put in a whole lot of work, but when you have that, as long as you don't ever, you know, do wrong to your audience or do wrong by them, then, then they'll stick with you. You know, that, that is more job security than working a nine to five, in my opinion.
0: Mm, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and, And a lot of people, um, would, uh, would love to leave the nine to five and, and, uh, and go and work, And create their own product but I'm sure that that comes with its own uh, you know (laughs) its own crazy mental types of just you know these barriers and these things that you've got to overcome every single day and and what I found is that when I went full-time on the website for me is that you you have to stop doing everything and you have to start doing the right things and uh, was that something that sort of um, resonated with you when you were when you started jumping into this and realizing that you needed to scale up you needed to have uh, essentially more product t- to try and find the right things to work on was that was that ever like a, a problem and then uh, how did you sort of rectify that
1: uh, it's definitely still a problem I mean I guess problem is relative like it's not a, I mean, it's a good problem to have because there's so many yeah. <laughs> things that need doing um, but I don't know. I'm, I'm really stubborn and just bullheaded. So, like, there's nobody. I mean, I've got people that come in and like help with the production and packaging and shipping and whatnot. But as far as like the management and the day to day operations, like, that's all me. Like, Crystal and I are doing everything still. So, I haven't really brought anybody in or outsourced anything. And doing that, like, it's just, it's just crazy, man. <laughs> like, I have a whole new perspective of just no sleep, grinding all day long. But I love that. Like I thrive in chaos and my
0: life has probably never been more chaotic than it is right now. So it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And I think, you know, like, uh, th- there's, there's so, so much, uh, genuine, uh, thought that goes behind everything that you're doing right now. And, uh, and that totally comes through on whether that's social media, YouTube, you know, even just the live check ins on Instagram. Like you guys are grinding, you know, you might not have had, too much sleep that night before but you're still there at 6 you know you're still you, you're still making the time and the effort for those people out there so that's that's so fantastic and i and i know that um AD keto one of the the guys that i interviewed in the second episode of my podcast um he was so excited when he first got his uh keto brick i think someone had to send him one first mm-hmm. and then and then he got a, a few this time um but you know that it's so, it's so amazing to like sort of see from a, an outsider's perspective just The hype behind a product and the hype behind, uh, you and, and you and Crystal, like it's just, it's so fantastic. So I'm, I'm really stoked to be doing this podcast right now. (laughs) I don't know whether you can tell, but (laughs) it's like, no, no, I I appreciate it, man. I'm excited too. And, and as far as the hype goes, like I didn't really give you
1: much of a technical answer to your question on how to build that up. I honestly don't know. I mean, our hype is built totally organically and, and naturally. And like, I never, like, I don't do any crazy outside marketing. Like I'll make a YouTube video. And I'll post it on Instagram and that's pretty much it. Like, I think just simply, you know, being as authentic and true as you possibly can and seeing like bringing the people into, you know, my life and and showing them on the day to day operation, like the behind the scenes and the process, like that's just built that hype up organically.
0: Mm, yeah, and and it and it lets people um, you know have a little bit of a triple A AAA pass. Like, like I was a musician for a long time, and every time you got to go to a festival and you get this pass that's got three A's on it, and you can get to go anywhere. Um, it's sort of like exactly like that thing where you go in, you see where it's all made, you see you guys grinding, like it's fantastic. So I guess that's probably a good segue into some of the 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 YouTube like vlogging sort of style. And, uh, you know, you've recently just completed a full 90 day episode of the keto cut. Um, Mm. and can you sort of tell us, you know, what, what that process taught you on, on vlogging every single day of that. And then going forward, um, you've got a new, uh, a new thing that you're doing now. And and for anyone who's listening to this, it might be uh, a, a few weeks down the track, but the idea is six by six. And uh, so maybe let's go into what you learned from doing the first round of vlogs, and then and then the six by six and everything that encompasses that idea.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So the with YouTube, you know, like I, one thing I recognize is that you have to really be consistent with your YouTube videos. You have to make it a habit, or else it's just so much easier to put it off. So I was, I really was drawn to the idea of daily vlogging. Um, for one, a lot of the top vloggers you know, do daily vlog like Casey Neistat. You know, you look at that. I have a tremendous, tremendous respect for him just simply because of all he's doing. Um, so I like the idea of daily vlogging. I did a, a daily vlog series in which I did like a three month hypertrophy series with Danny Vega. And then, you know, from there, that was my first longer one. And then I did a 90 day, uh, the DSK cut, uh, which basically was me going through the DSK course that I created with Keto Connect. And I put all that on YouTube. Um, And that, you know, doing that, I really kind of had a rhythm. Like the first one, it wasn't so much of like a a protocol or just like a, there's there's still not much of a protocol, but like I kind of had a system (laughs) for how to crank out these daily YouTube videos efficiently. Um, And now that I'm going into another series, this one's going to be six months long and it's just going to be a behemoth of, of YouTube videos and content. So I'm really excited to kind of fine tune my process. The only downside to daily vlogging is that, I really would love to have the time to dig into, you know, different kind of camera transitions and editing techniques and really just make things more cinematic. But when you do daily vlogs, you don't really have the luxury to do that, especially if you have everything else that you have that I have going on in life right now. So I'm just trying to make it as efficient, raw and just authentic as possible because I don't, I just don't have the time to make it fancy, you know.
0: Mm, yeah, I totally agree. But, you know, like in the words of Casey Neistat, all of that stuff really doesn't matter. It's, you, you know, the, the technical and the, the cameras and all that sort of stuff is secondary to the story. And if exactly. the story is the main aspect and if, you know, you're, you're being genuine behind the camera, then that's what matters. And that's what keeps people there. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know how many YouTube videos I've watched, but I, I really don't look at those videos and go, ah, oh, you know, that I, I can't believe that camera transition was in there. That was so so good. It was like you always go away and you remember the either the conversations that person has had or the ideas that come up through the the video. And and I think that that's probably more important. And so when I was watching your your vlogs this morning, um, and the six by six came up, I was like, all right. We've got to dig into this. We've totally got to dig into this because this seems like a, you know, a six-month journey in in vlogging, and um, you know that that in itself is is amazing. And uh, so, hats off to you because daily vlogging is just crazy. But um, can you sort of go into like, you know, the the six by six? So there's six months, and then the second six is sort of broken up into its six counterparts as well. Do you want to go into those different ones? I don't know whether you'll remember them all off the top of your yeah. head. But but I've got a few here to help if that is necessary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So originally it
1: was going to be the, called the Savage 6x6 six six, and I was just going to do six months at 6,000 calories, boom. That was going to be it. And I was going to document that. But I, I, I know the longer I sit and think on an idea, usually the bigger and bolder it becomes. And the idea of just simply doing 6,000 calories for six months wasn't good enough for me. So, I decided to branch that out into six pillars so I can kind of maintain that six by six theme still. And those six pillars are going to be uh, nutrition. So, that's going to be where the 6,000 calories come in. I'm still going to do that, but I'm also going to tack on training. I'm going to have a mindset pillar. I'm going to have uh, like a skills slash, you know, self improvement pillar. And then I'm going to have a relationship pillar. And I think those six pillars. You know, if I'm consciously working on improving those in some form or fashion, you know, on a day-to-day basis through the course of six months, I'll be able to establish habits and really see, you know, a lot of positive growth. Um, so the whole thing is like a bulking growth series, but I wanted to go beyond just simply growing, you know, physical physically, but actually grow as a person. And I feel like those six pillars will help me, you know, keep a pulse on that and make sure I accomplish it. Yeah, that's
0: fantastic, you know. And oh, um I didn't even mention business. That's one of the pillars too. Oh, business. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like I was looking through. I was like, I think yeah, <laughs> we might <laughs> might have missed one, but no, that's that's totally cool. But, you know, um it, it's really interesting that you say that uh the more you think about something, the more it's you know, the bigger it gets and and the the deeper it goes, I guess. And uh and there's another daily vlogger on YouTube. I don't know whether you've heard of him. His name's Cody Warner. Um and he lives in the States, but he he's been doing these daily vlogs, and uh, he he recently caught up with Peter McKinnon, and he was um you know sort of backtracking from that. He said this really amazing like idea throughout one of his videos, and he says you know you got to find the why behind the why, and that uh, you know maybe that could also be translated to like the five whys and whatever else. But that idea is really really interesting to me because. You know, you can very easily say, Oh, I'm doing this because of this. But, but then you go, Well, why? Why are you doing that? Um, and, uh, I, I reached out to him and he said, Uh, it wasn't him, but, uh, it was Jeff Bartsch who taught him that. And I'm not sure who that is. So I just wanted to put that out there for, <laughs> for his sake. Yeah. But, but, um, you know, like what's, what's your why behind doing these types of, um, things? You know, what's, what is your why behind those six processes? So everything that I do in life,
1: I try and take a step back and look at it um, kind of from a third person perspective, and, and and ask myself unbiased, you know, what kind of habits or what kind of um, you know actions can I put into place that work symbiotically with everything in my life, and then build me and and you know make me into a better person because I feel like so many people. Have unrelated activities and pillars in their life that distract from one another. Mm -hmm. And I just don't have time to have distractions that, you know, pull from one another. I feel like the more I can, you know, fashion my day around a given set of principles in which one principle builds the other principle, then I move the entire needle forward. And, you know, time is finite. Time is the that that's the greatest resource like money. That, that's just a, you know, monetary, but time, that's what we all, and that's what everything's built on. So if I can find a way to maximize that in which everything that I do, every single thing that I do builds every aspect of my life that I care about in some way or another, then I can exponentially grow as a person much more efficiently than if I was to do anything else with my time.
0: Mm, yeah that's a that's a really powerful concept you know because uh making sure that those things that you're doing are aligning um, is a is a fantastic like bird's eye view on on uh, what what you're trying to achieve and and having that perspective you know you can either go uh, much 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 f- closer or you can go much much further away and uh, and you know having those different perspectives is really important not only to learn and grow as a person and a business but but make sure the the people around you uh, are a big part of your life as well. So it, it sounds like, you know, family and relationships are really, really important to you. Um, you know, h- how is, h- how is, uh, you know, trying to manage time and going and, you know, being, being a part of someone else's life, h- how is that important in this six by six sort of um, m- mind frame that you're going to be working towards over the next six months?
1: Uh I've been honest with myself, man, and I realize that I'm terrible at it. I'm terrible at, you know, making time for the people that I care about in my life. And I feel like by, you know, publicly stating that's one of these six pillars, and it is a very important part of my life. Like, I have a very close relationship to my my family and my friends. Like, I've got the best family and friends in the world. You know, like, I'm so blessed to have them in my life. But you, you get so busy and caught up in every other aspect of your life that you know I, I don't spend as much time with them as I'd like to and there's there's a give and take to that I mean like my family is pretty supportive and they realize that I've got a lot going on there they're supporting you know my goals and and what I'm working towards but I don't ever want to you know be so distant from them that I look back when it's all said and done and wish that I'd spent more time with them. and you know my, my grandpa passed away yesterday or two days ago and you know, that really brought that concept to the forefront of my mind. And I really want to make sure that if I can integrate all things that I care about so that, you know, like I said earlier, nothing distracts from me other than this vlogging series and having that relationship aspect as a pillar is going to really force me to build a habit in, you know, focusing on the relationships that I care about.
0: Mm, yeah. I'm, I'm really sorry to hear about you, your grandfather that passed away. Um, I'm, I'm sure it'd be very, Proud in what you're doing right now, um, but you know, I think that th- those relationships are uh, are so important. And uh, you know, like obviously, people have to do exactly what they need to do to to survive. But um, that, yeah, I, I, I totally feel the same way. You know, you can you can so quickly, like uh, la- this time last year, I was in Europe on a bike, <laughs> riding through Europe. I had a tent, and I had like four other mates who were doing the same crazy stuff that I was and, uh, you know, riding through Europe, camping in, uh, the, the bushes basically, and, and also trying to manage a business on the side. (laughs) And, um, and, and, and I realized, you know, you look back on that process and, and, um, and you sort of think, you know, when you take two months off and you, and you go to Europe and you go and do this thing that you've, you know, wanted to do for the past seven years, that it really solidifies how, how quickly time flies, by the time you get to the next year in front of that and the year in front of that. And, and uh, oftentimes, you know, you've, you've really just got to um, set things in stone and everything else will work around that. And I was talking to my brother about this and he was saying, you know, things just keep getting pushed onto you. And, uh and when you carve out a certain amount of time and you schedule it or you've booked flights, whatever it is, um, that everything sort of just happens around that. Um So, yeah, I mean, Uh, there's a light at the end of the tunnel you know it's it's a that that busyness is is definitely it's got to happen that grinding has got to happen but when you go away from it and you you, and you take like a bird's eye view perspective from it and you come back with a fresh set of eyes um you know hopefully that that sort of idea will will propagate over the next six months for you and uh and you know even go much much deeper than that but but i really want to hear um how you started on the ketogenic diet so so for a lot of people they either start the ketogenic diet for either weight loss or trying to deal with um, their health issues in some way or another um but what was what was sort of the reason for you and uh and how did that um what was the motivation behind that
1: uh so I've I've been keto for like four years now and I've been competing um probably for the last eight years or so. Um I've been training certainly for eight or nine years, ten years. But for me I, I was I was pretty when I started keto, i had just come off of a competition. I was lean, I didn't really get into keto to to lose body fat. I honestly didn't even know what keto was when I first started. Um I had followed a standard bodybuilding bro diet type approach to nutrition. And that entailed, um, you know, just like the, the standard six, seven meals a day, eat every two and a half hours, you know, broccoli, rice and sweet potatoes with, you know, tilapia and chicken breasts. Um, and that was just kind of my reality. That's what I did through college and it's just a very, (laughs) very inefficient way to live. Um, but I, I did everything wrong. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, You know, I'd learned everything on YouTube and and just not really good source of information, kind of like the guys at the gym that think they know what they're talking about, but they don't. And I uh, found myself bulking up to 230 pounds, you know, eating all kinds of terrible foods, like just very, very low quality ingredients. Um, And then I would, you know, cut down for a competition. My first competition, I lost 70 pounds in three months. Wow. Um, And I lost a lot of muscle. I developed eating disorders. Like it was just a very, hard, challenging thing, which I learned so, so much from, but it really opened my eyes to the what not to do. And sadly enough, I didn't know any better. and I did that same thing. Another two competitions. Um, after my third competition, I, I just told myself, you know, there's got to be a better way than doing this. Like the whole, you know, dieting down, um, losing so much muscle, feeling like a zombie, And then having a negative rebound and gaining. Like after my first competition, I gained 20 pounds in two days. Mm. Uh, So losing weight and gaining it quickly is just not healthy, not sustainable. Um, So I transitioned into something called uh, carbohydrate backloading, uh, which was developed by John Kiefer, uh, which is basically keto in the morning and afternoon hours and a lot of high glycemic index carbs at night. Mm. Um, But I noticed I felt better without those carbs. So I wound up phasing those out completely and you know, lo and behold, that was basically keto. Um, and I noticed my, my performance improved, my, my mental clarity improved, my relationship with food improved. I started to, you know, separate myself from the eating disorders that no longer became an issue. Um, and I started just digging into that wormhole of keto and, uh, the rest is history, man. I have no intentions of going
0: back to carbs. Mm, that's that's such a fantastic way to um, understand how something works for you, and then just dive straight into it. Because it, when you do that, um, you you've really tested it on yourself like you've really found out what works best for you and you've developed a really healthy relationship with food um but but you were, you sort of alluded to it before um I'm, I'm currently reading a book that was recommended to me by by meg over on instagram bacon and megs and she said uh, go ahead and read brain over binge and it's about it's a book about how um this lady is uh you know trying to Uh, separate there's like two separate sections of the brain and i haven't read the complete book yet so i don't wanted to um, touch on this too much but the idea is that you know when you go into restrictive phases that uh, you build like a slightly unhealthy relationship with food um and and so for you how how was um the and like how does keto fix something that is essentially um like, how does a diet fix something that may have been caused by a diet? Or, or how does keto sort of rectify the, um, the, the eating sort of, you know, that, that, that middle ground of you're not sure what you should be doing and you're not sure if this is the right thing to do. How did keto correct that for you? I actually
1: recorded a podcast earlier today and we touched on that very subject. It's interesting. Um, th- the one argument is that eating, had a deficit, you know, restricting your calories is what leads to, you know, binging and overeating. And there's, there's some truth to be said for that for sure. Like even when I'm in a, you know, ketogenic diet, but at a caloric deficit, you know, I'm much more prone to, you know, overeating after that diet is over. Mm -hmm. However, one huge difference for me that kind of like was the, the light, you know, was when I was eating carbs and I was just, you know, fueled by glucose, I, I did not have the uh, connection to my body that I do now. Like I did not have any frame of scope as far as what is true hunger, what is true sati- uh, you know satiation, what is what, what does my body need? Like I couldn't distinguish between what my body truly needed and what I emotionally or psychologically felt that I needed. Um, whereas when I switched over to keto, I just became so much more in tune with my body. You know, I, I could tell – if I was truly hungry or, or full. Um, and that was something that I'd never had before. Like it was liberating because I didn't have to guess. I didn't have to, I just took the guesswork out of how to eat. And, you know, it sounds strange for someone that, that doesn't suffer with that or know, um, or have that as like a frame of reference. But when I switched over to keto, I just became so much more in tune with my body and what it needed. And then I could then give it what it
0: needed. Mm, yeah. That's uh that's really awesome. And for, for anyone out there who, um, may be struggling with this type of thing, um, it's definitely best to seek professional help uh, with regards to eating disorders. But but when you actually, you know, fine tune that and and look and see what, what is satiating, what is true hunger, um, those can be like really liberating things to what I found from the ketogenic diet is that um, you're no longer insanely hungry anymore you can you can uh like for me i'd always (laughs) go to the shops with my partner Adele, and she uh she would just get this thing you know i'd i'd go to the shops and i'd just get cranky (laughs) i would just be you know you'd miss a meal and and uh and you just would be irate and then so you switch to the ketogenic diet and that all just falls away and uh, and and then if you ever go back to carbs you sort of feel that sort of um same mentality creeping back in Um, and so have you ever had any of those things where you've, uh, within the ketogenic framework, have you ever had, um, something where you go, okay, maybe that food isn't uh, the greatest for me and it's not really working for me. I'm going to try eliminating that. And, and, and what's the process of that for you?
1: So not, not so much if I'm eating at a surplus, like if I'm in a building phase, then, then it's almost like, you know, I don't want to eat anymore because I'm just so full that I don't you know i don't desire food but like when i'm in a you know cutting phase and i'm, I'm gearing up for a competition and you know I, I crave more food just more volume in general there's definitely things that i could eat that i choose not to because they they trigger um not something that i can't control that's just unnecessary uh you know tension so for instance like almond butters, um like nut butters for instance that that's often a lot of people's trigger because it's just so calorically dense and you get hardly any volume from it, so it's not really satiating you know to the point where you feel full, especially when you're at a deficit and you just need more food volume um so I try and stay away from those and just focus on you know getting more volume more nutritionally dense stuff and you know, giving myself a little more to chew on than just simply a, a tablespoon of almond butter because the fact of the matter is a tablespoon of almond butter often becomes, you know, one tablespoon with four tablespoons
0: stacked on top <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah for sure um yeah it's it's uh it's interesting that you talk about the the triggering foods and yeah i i uh i can definitely relate to something like that and i'm sure the people listening to this uh, podcast might also relate to that as well but i wanted to sort of dig into as well the the training aspect of of what you do and so uh you know you've been a bodybuilder now for for quite some time and um you've Probably learnt a lot of things that uh, other people might be going through. They might be in that learning stage as well. Um, how was training like? What, what what was your training like when you first started? And then what does your training look like now? And 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 what are the things that you've learnt over that over that period that um, you know has sort of really cemented that this is the right thing for you to be doing? It's a really good question. I don't think I've ever been asked that on a podcast before.
1: Um. So when I first started, I, it, it was it was rough, man. We lived out in the country, and I didn't have access to a gym. I didn't even have a vehicle. I was in high school. Um, so I literally used pieces of steel that I had lying around the house, in the shop, and I would use those uh, as weights. Like I'd watch a YouTube video of some pro bodybuilder, you know, just tearing it up in the gym that I'd go walk out to my dad's shop and grab a piece of tractor equipment and <laughs> just start getting with it. Um, so totally un, un, you know, knowledgeable and just not having a clue what I was doing there. Um, I since bought some, you know, rudimentary dumbbells, barbell. My, my first bench was a, a green ice chest that I threw a towel over top of and that was my <laughs> bench. Um, <laughs> and from there, uh, I, I, Wrote everything down, like, that was the only time in my life I really tracked my training, uh, to a T, but I wrote everything down, um, and I would just do what I had, you know, the basic tools to do. I only had dumbbells and barbells, so it wasn't any machines, no cables or anything like that. Um, and that was what I did for the first year of my training. And then from there, I got a membership at the YMCA, um, and just kind of went into the gym scene, kind of learning as I went from people that were older and more experienced there, um, one thing that I did then that I, I've changed some now is that I used to focus so much. I mean, this, this is common. Like when you're young getting into training, you you just feel like you have something to prove. Like you feel like you're supposed to look like, you know, what you're doing. And when you, you have that kind of mentality, you want lifting weights or trying to lift weights that are just way too heavy for you. Mm. Um, and that's what I did. Like I thought I was, you know, big bad Robert I'd go in and I'd put five plates on the squat rack and then I would do a half rep on the squats and I feel like I was you know doing something you know special reality is that you're not engaging your muscles when you're doing that you're not training you're not building that much strength um so focusing on the form in the full range of motion and contraction and actually you know becoming in tune with your muscle and the contraction having that you know mind muscle connection like that is that takes that's a learned behavior for sure it's taken years to really tap into that and there's days where i'll get distracted and i won't really connect like i need to um but when you truly are in tune with what your body is telling you um and you you don't have the ego coming into the picture with regards to you know how much weight you're actually moving you can really get a good workout and you're going to stimulate more muscle and you're going to grow much faster
0: Ah, wow yeah that's interesting you know because um Yeah, I think a lot of people focus on how much they're lifting, how many reps they're doing, what, what rep range is the best, those types of things. But, but in reality, you know, you've got to make sure that you're going through the full range of motion. And that's something that is not easily measured, I guess, um, without the help of someone else or maybe, um, you know, the help of potentially like using your phone to video yourself but are there any tips for anyone out there who is who is maybe you know starting at the gym or um whether they're trying to be a bodybuilder or not but is there something that uh, you found really useful to make sure that you were doing the right form um and and that and is that something that someone can apply to themselves while they're at the gym
1: uh honestly like i learned i I never worked with a trainer per se i learned all of my exercises, you know, through watching YouTube videos. And that's kind of a double edged sword because you see a lot of, you know, YouTube videos with done with incorrect form and you, you know, pick up on bad habits. Um, but that's how I learned initially, like just seeing the movement of professionals, you know, and kind of learning from that. Um, but honestly, so much of it has improved since I've started doing, you know, daily vlogs and watching myself, um, that was never something that I really anticipated happening once I started daily vlogging. But, you know, when you start videotaping yourself daily and you're putting out there to the world to see like you want to illustrate the, the the principles that you talk about, you know, so for me to say, you know, focus on the form the muscle mind muscle connection and making sure you have quality, uh, you know, contraction. If I'm to say that and then I record a YouTube video of me just looking sloppy, I'm, I'm a total hypocrite, you know, so I don't want to do that. Um, But yeah, watching and recording myself has has helped tremendously. And then having a workout partner that that knows what they're doing as well is is huge. Um, And even even if they don't know, but growing together, like Crystal and I train together. um, You know, and and she's, I mean, it's kind of crazy. Like I would never have thought that I'd have a female as a training partner simply because, you know, I I didn't, (laughs) not to be sexist or anything, but I didn't think a female would be able to keep up with me. Uh, but, but she's a beast and she's strong, you know. So I, having a, somebody that, that pushes me just as I push her, you know, that, that's something that you can't, you can't put a price on that.
0: Ah, that's so awesome. <laughs> it's so, it's so, uh, it's a great perspective too, because, you know, having, uh, a partner doing something that you believe in, um, is just, It it just must be so refreshing because if you had to do things separately all the time, and if you had to, you know, go to the gym at separate times, or you liked this gym and she liked the other gym, like that, it might become like pretty difficult. But um, as you were saying before, you know, time is is of the of the essence, and uh, if you can both train in the same format, that. That's awesome, yeah. And Crystal looks strong, so I'm sure she can she is, keep up. Sure. Like she can hold her own, which is awesome. Um, and uh, and from what she was saying, like I asked her a similar question about, you know, how has training um changed for her over the in the past five years and and uh, or however long she's been doing that for, and it's been uh really interesting to see, you know, sort of both sides of the question. And if you and if you want to hear Crystal's podcast, I believe that's coming out uh this weekend, so. Uh, this weekend is uh, August, mid-August. <laughs> so if you're listening to this in, in late September, go back to episode 11, I think it is, or 10. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, uh, for for those people out there, and, and I remember saying that, um, you know, Crystal was saying that she used to go to the gym uh, late at nights and then uh, not really, uh, she didn't want to feel like she was doing the wrong thing and she wanted to just do her own thing. Um, and that's really important too. And I think I've really connected with something like that because I've been a runner and a cyclist and a, you know, an endurance athlete my entire life. So going to the gym was never really the forefront for me, but I, I recently ran a marathon using the ketogenic diet and, uh, and I realized that I just, um, I sort of did it wrong. And I, and I realized that just going out there and running a long time in a, in a Maffetone heart rate zone, uh, wasn't quite what worked for me. And I, and I ended up actually putting on a lot of body fat because of that. And, uh, and so now I've, you know, transitioned back into going to the gym, trying to get those squats and the deadlifts and the the bench press and all that sort of stuff up. But I have been taking my phone with me. And what I do is I just rest the phone up against the wall of the gym or, you know, wherever it is, whether it's a front facing or the forward facing camera, um, and just simply recording that and then going back and looking at it and you go, oh, wow, I'm really terrible at <laughs> the things that I'm doing, you know? And it's it's a like as you said before, you know, doing those daily vlogs, you you record yourself and you look at it and you go, I need to be doing exactly what I am am saying. And uh and and for me, like that was dropping the weights a lot. And and so for for anyone out there, don't feel like you're uh um, you know, you're doing the wrong thing by dropping the weights because that is, is that something that you've experienced as well where you've 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 come to coach someone or you're you're training with someone and they pick up weights that are just, are just way too heavy for them and and how do you sort of talk them into saying that that the the motion is more important than the the actual weights that you're putting on the on the bell
1: if 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 i'm watching somebody if i'm working with somebody and they cannot maintain control of the weight on the eccentric and concentric movement, then then they need to go lighter. I mean that's that's really, really key. Um you see it a lot with people, especially like in, you know, bicep movements and shoulder movements. Um but it's 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 a hard I mean you don't want to like the people will come work out with me because they want to train with me. They'll see my YouTube videos and want to train with me. And they feel like they need to keep up with me. Um but I've been training hard for like I said, nine or 10 years. So it's not realistic to think that someone that has only just recently started training would be able to keep up with me. And the same could be said if I was to go train with a professional IFBB bodybuilder, like they are on a whole other level than me. And I can't possibly plan on keeping up. Um, but to, to you know, just not let your ego come into the picture is, is the way to go. So many people think that everybody's watching them in the gym and judging them and, that's oftentimes not the case. But even if it is the case on some occasion, like who cares? Like what does that person's thought of you have to do with anything? That doesn't matter. Like focus on you and, and being the best that you can be and you really
0: can't go wrong. Mm, yeah, and I think that also applies to being in business, to having an online presence. Like, you know, when you walk into a gym, sometimes that is just magnified and you sort of see all of those things. Um, but But, you know, same applies when you're, Yeah, it's running a social media account and running a website, running a business. What, what people think about you is often irrelevant and what you're doing for them and how you're helping people is probably the most important thing. And, um, and so that I I sort of like to ask this question, um, now that I'm thinking a lot about it as well. Um, and how do you, um, how do you help people become Better versions of themselves, and ha- like through the coaching and through um, all all different walks of of what you're doing. What's the main like uh, overarching principle, and how how does helping other people um, also help you at the same time?
1: Helping other people, and you know, like I, I get emails like the other day. Let me use a perfect example, man. Yesterday, um, I had a call with somebody that had emailed me a while back, and they had a really compelling story. And I, I probably am going to publish this story on a YouTube video or something, but I'm going to tell it to you. Um, <laughs> because this podcast probably won't go live until YouTube is already yeah, out anyways. But, yeah. Um, he, he emailed me a while back with a really compelling story. And I'm like, Hey man, I want to do this email justice. How about I just have a phone call with you? You know, and he called me yesterday and we talked. And basically the, the short story is he, he, he was uh, with his significant other for 10 years. They were engaged and they were about to get married this year. And she passed due to GI distress or some kind of GI issue. Uh, and, and she died like right before they were supposed to get married. They've been together for 10 years. And he was on the verge of suicide. Like, no joke. I mean, he this is somebody he invested his whole life into. Like, she was his oxygen. And now she's gone. And he randomly stumbled on a YouTube video of my keto brick or something. I don't remember what it was. He watched that and then he just kind of like started watching the rest of my content. And he saw, you know, apparently some of the things that I said were similar to some of the things that she had told him when they were together. And basically like taking a, a you know holistic approach to your health and just like being authentic with your life and always striving to better yourself each and every day. It, it sounds strange to say that my stuff could have such an impact, but he told me that watching my videos gave him hope that there was like you know light at the end of the tunnel. And there there is a reason for tomorrow, and he now has started the ketogenic diet. He's reversed his diabetes, which he was just diagnosed with, and he's now like considering. Like I, I was talking to him, I, I think I may have convinced him to start his own podcast to share his story. But now he's got like a reason and a zeal for life back. Hearing stories like that, getting that email, reaching out to him and having that conversation—that is what makes my work fulfilling, and that's why I do what I do like that's what brings me happiness. Um, and well, I'm totally probably butchering your question. What was your question?
0: <laughs> oh, no, no, no. That. Oh man, that's so powerful. Like that. That. Um, that whole reason why is is uh, is so powerful when you get people like that who you don't even know that. Uh, that they're watching your videos and they're drawing so much inspiration from, from what you do. And, and that, that sort of comes from just being you and being so genuine and and sort of like to round, round that back to what you were saying at the very start of this podcast is that, you know, people who have a physical product don't know how to create a community and, and creating a community is that, you know, that that's, you're living <laughs> you're 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 living and you're being genuine and and that's probably the most important part and so i guess like uh, the question was is that uh um uh, i actually can't remember but it was basically why why you do the things you do and and sort of what what impact that has on other people but i think you answered that um with a story very very well and uh yeah and and that's fantastic the, the guy who's starting the podcast um Trust me, I, I started mine a little while ago, and you've and you've been doing yours for a long time now. But it's probably one of the most genuine things you can do, and just t- to have genuine conversations with people like like what I'm doing with you now, Robert. Like it's just it's just crazy how how much that changes your day <laughs> and it changes your mm-hmm. life. Um, and so most of the time, I get off these podcasts and I'm just like bright and bubbly and. I don't do that with emails. Like I don't do that with. 100%. 100%. I I could literally
1: start a podcast with somebody and be like, Oh my gosh. I don't want to do this podcast. I'm not in the mood. I'm not feeling it right now. I've got so much to do. I didn't get any sleep. As soon as that podcast gets going, I'm freaking on fire. And by the time the podcast is over, I've like felt like I had a full night's sleep and I'm meditating the entire day from the beginning again. Like it's just like you can't even begin to quantify like how much it's like therapy, you know, having a conversation with somebody that you can relate with. I mean, you, it's just, it's just awesome.
0: Mm, yeah, I totally agree. And, uh, and uh, yeah, everything about that. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, with that in mind, like I have a few quick questions um, that uh, I sort of love to uh, ask everyone. And, um, but you know, they're quick questions, but I like to dive into some of them because, you know, that's that's what we do. Um, Certainly. And uh, so the first one is, what's your favorite um, keto-related food? Uh, it's going to have to be a meat
1: of some kind. Like my favorite meat, like like full stop, is my dad's um, barbecue, like slow-cooked smoked ribs, uh, pork ribs. Not my dad's ribs, but my dad, like he cooks them. <laughs> Um, (laughs) and uh yeah like so that is probably my favorite single meal like barbecue in general i love barbecue brisket fatty brisket uh
0: ribs i just i just love it all um yeah i'd have to probably go with that 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 sounds delicious and uh and i guess for anyone who doesn't know as well um what what is the what does the keto brick taste like what is what is that food in particular, um, and and how can you sort of describe that to someone who's who's uh, looking for something that is going to be their next favorite food?
1: Yeah, I could have used that as my favorite food. That would have been a good plug right there. <laughs> um, the, the keto brick. I don't honestly know how to describe it. I mean, the texture. It's it's like it, it all depends on how uh, hot or cold the keto brick is. First of all, like if it's you know chilled or you pull it out of the fridge it's gonna be very hard if it's like at room temp it's gonna be a little softer or you can like warm it up and it's gonna be like more of a fudge like texture um but it's it's shelf stable so there's not really much moisture in there so it's it's pretty dry when you first bite into it but then as soon as you bite into it you know you start chewing it it becomes much more uh soft and creamy um it's like a mocha a little bit of hint of of coffee in there because I love my coffee. Um, chocolate, there's, there's cacao nibs, there's little pink Himalayan salt, so you're getting your electrolytes in. Um, I'm the world's worst. I know, I know you ask this to food bloggers who can really. You know, very tantalizingly describe a food product, and I'm just totally butchering my keto <laughs> down here. But it's amazing. I want you to know that.
0: <laughs> well, if anyone wants to get firsthand uh, experience with this, go ahead and uh, purchase one of the bricks when they when they go live, um, and uh, you'll you'll find out. So maybe that, yeah. that's a that's a great introduction to someone. But I guess it's all up to personal perspective. And and uh, if you try it and you love it. Uh, keep buying it. So, uh, in, absolutely. In uh, you know, in contrast to that, what is your least favorite keto food? Is there something that you just you love? Oh, sorry, you don't love, but maybe some other people love.
1: Uh, so I'm going to twist this a little bit on you. I, I love avocado, and a lot of people on keto use avocado, but I don't recommend avocado simply because the carb count is so high. Um, I know avocados are you know, plumb full of potassium, which is you know, one of the great natural sources of potassium, but I tend to not recommend it because the, the carb count is so high. And I count total carbs, not net carbs. So to me, avocado doesn't justify having that many you know, fibrous carbs in my day if I've got especially uh, I'm, I'm turning to do a contest prep I'm in a cutting protocol. So that'd be one controversial food part that I don't necessarily recommend.
0: Mm, You know, um, Maria Emmerich also said that exact same thing about avocados. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was saying, um, that, you know, she doesn't really believe that it's that low carb anyway. And I, and I totally agree. Like if you count, if you're counting total carbs, uh, you know, that it, it's quite high because avocados have a lot of fiber in them. Um, yeah, I mean like uh, other sources of potassium you can get that in spinach you can you can also do the whole like supplementation of potassium as well with the, the diet salt for the cheap or um the the other drinks oh, I can't remember the name mm-hmm. of it anyway it doesn't matter um but uh, so food aside what is your favorite style of lift or maybe favorite style of exercise
1: um So I I train pretty instinctively. Like I don't go into the gym with like a specific okay, today I'm I'm doing this for this many reps, this many sets, these are the weights. Like I feel like when you do that, you're almost limiting your potential because you've already capped it from the onset. I I go in and I train pretty instinctively And, and, and there's days, don't get me wrong, I was I was harping on, you know, focusing on muscle contraction, form and everything earlier, which I still fully, you know, stand behind, but there's days where I'll go in there and I'll just you know, for, for lack of a better word, go totally savage on those weights. <laughs> and it's just, it's just ugly, man. Like I'll get in there and I'll just move some stuff around. And it's not going to be pretty, but like, I know what my body's capable of after lifting for 10 years that I feel safe in doing that. I don't necessarily recommend that for somebody that's just starting. Um, but as far as style of lifting goes, I can't advocate enough, you know, training heavy, you know, within reason, like you want to have good form, you don't want to risk injury, but so many people, you know, try and cut corners and, and lessen the weight and you know, maybe do a couple extra reps because they don't wanna go with that heavy weight. But when you're your your body, your your ability to build muscle and grow is a direct reflection of the stimuli that you subject yourself to. Like if you don't give your body a reason to grow, it's not going to grow. And if you're not stressing that body in some way or another, you know, what, re- what reason are you giving it? You're not. Um, so focusing on going heavy and pushing yourself and moving that needle a little bit each day, that's what's going to you know, result in
0: growth and, and, and development. Mm, yeah, that's, that's great advice. And I think um, one, one caveat for, for that for me is that um, I always like to take uh, sort of like a lighter week every four weeks. And so my needle doesn't necessarily track up all the time um, I, I try and recover a little bit and then push the needle again for the next three weeks. Do you have any sort of protocols like that that you're trying to follow? Or is it, again, is that sort of uh, mentally limiting what you can do?
1: No, no, like a deload week basically is kind of what you're describing, which I totally advocate. You know, if you're, I, I kind of, I really uh, believe in cycling things in life like, like energy, interest, um, you know, strength, all that is, is cyclical in age. Like you have to uh, cycle certain things, like your calories, kind of like what we were saying earlier about you have to cycle from, you know, a caloric surplus to, or a caloric deficit. Like you can't be all one way indefinitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so doing the same thing with your training and having a deload week, and like if you do so strategically, and this is going to be different for everybody, but if you do that strategically, you're going to be able to be better and go heavier when you do turn, you know, the throttle back up. And and that's,
0: that's a worthwhile thing for sure. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, uh, important not only with lifting weights, but I think also when you're, uh, trying to push the needle on how fast you can run or how, how far you can cycle those types of things. Um, and, and, and in contrast to, you know, what people can and should be doing, what is something that you think, uh, people are doing in the gym that may be limiting their progress? maybe a particular lift or uh, I don't, yeah, something. It, kind of, it kind of depends on, you know, what your goal
1: is. Like a lot of people, a lot of people, um, there's a lot of different directions I could take this. I, I don't do a lot of the crazy Olympic lifting, like the overhead snatches and cleaning and jerks and stuff like that. I, I don't do that because to me, the, the risk of injury by doing that very complex movement Uh, it it just isn't worth it for me and my goals. Like as a bodybuilder, I would rather break that up into two or three different movements that focus on that specific muscle and and do that. So that's one, you know, very glaring difference between like a, you know, Olympic style lifting or CrossFit versus like bodybuilding. Um, So it's very sport specific as far as what you're doing, Mm. but you know, common mistakes kind of going back to, you know, people having poor form and, and letting their ego get in the way. Um, But a lot of people they like overtraining for instance is a controversial thing. Like some people think it's easier to do, some people think it's harder to do. Um my my whole take on that, and this is something that I think people don't do enough of, is they don't it's it's not easy to overtrain. Like your body is responsive to the stress like we were saying earlier. Like my calves, for instance. I always had very small calves, chicken legs. I hated it. I never wore shorts because of it. And I just said one day, okay, I'm going to stop this whole small chicken calf, chicken leg problem once and for all. And I've since trained calves every single day for the past, I don't know, five, six years. And that's been the only thing that's gotten my calves to grow. So, you know, experiment with things, be willing to try something new, like use the equipment in different ways than what the picture on the diagram illustrates, like learn your body and figure out and experiment with different ways to stimulate your body.
0: Mm, Yeah. That's interesting actually. And I think, um, calves are especially one of those muscles that responds well to doing something quite, uh, quite frequently. Um, and for anyone Mm -hmm. out there who is, uh, not only trying to, um, you know, stop overtraining from what they feel, but also trying to put like a just a number value on something like that. Uh, I I started using an app called HRV for training a little while ago, and basically it's um, heart rate variability training. And so you wake up every single morning at the same time. You check your heart rate. But you also check your heart rate variability, and it's basically like the beats in between each heartbeat and. Whether they're varied or whether they're very methodical and, and, uh, you know, like clockwork. And if they are very straight up and down, it generally means that your body's under a lot of stress. And, uh, and so it gives you like a, a numeric value that you can sort of look at, decide whether you want to, you know, follow that or not. Um, and it sort of tracks this thing over, over months and years. And, and what I found is that you can actually find things that are, are triggering what you feel is overtraining. So maybe, Having two coffees is okay, but having three is, is too much, and, and you can see a direct correlation with your heart rate variability. Uh, is there anything or any type of app that you use like that, or is it very instinctive and intuitive?
1: I have not uh, tried, you know, looking into the heart rate variability. Rate, I think it's a very important metric. I'd love to get the the aura ring, for instance, uh, to measure that you know continuously throughout the day. Um, as far as apps go, I use I use my Macros Plus to track my nutrition. Um, and I really want to dive into the weeds on you know all the different metrics and the data because I love the data. And I'm I'm going to start just using a simple spreadsheet to track my my you know primary compound movements with the training. Um, but I don't I don't typically wear like the Fitbits or like the wearable devices simply because I'm just hard on <laughs> devices like that. Like, I never get my <laughs> wrist wraps on uh, when I train, and those would just tear off you know the watches and whatnot. So I don't typically. Wear those, but I would I would love to get um a continuous glucose monitor that that is a, a wearable that I would be very keen on trying.
0: Yeah, that that is something I'd love to do as well. I, I've seen um uh, Ben Greenfield use something similar or one of those and uh, use it very quantitatively, which is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, we could dive into the details of this type of thing all day. Um, but but I think uh let's move on to. The people in your life and the relationships that you're building throughout that and sort of make some quick questions on that so who is your number one supporter crystal without a, without a doubt i mean no nobody comes to you in remotely close that's awesome. <laughs> I think she said you as well, which is great. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> um, uh, what are, What are some uh, books or videos uh, that have recently inspired you? Are you someone who listens to audiobooks or do you have do you love physical books, or have you watched any YouTube videos that really just got your gears going?
1: Um, so, as far as books go, I I, I listen to it on Audible, um, but. My most recommended book is Ryan Holiday's The Obstacle is the Way. Yeah. Um, have you read that one?
0: That's I one have. that one? I've got the physical book as well. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, that,
1: that one, I, I've listened to that one more than any other book, and every single time I listen to it, I pick up on another nugget of information. I listen to that uh, on repeat whenever I'm in the gym training during my contest prep because like, that keeps me sane. Um, so, I, that's taught me how to think. So, I highly recommend that. Um, let see, Mastery is also really good. Mastery by Robert Greene yep. is another good book. And then, as far as um, YouTube videos or, or video, I don't watch TV. I've never had a TV, so I don't watch TV. But, you know, YouTube videos, I really like a lot of Gary Vaynerchuk's uh, stuff and, and Casey and I said stuff like those two. Um I take a lot of information from them, and they've kind of helped shape it 's kind of funny like now that i 'm creating content so vigorously i don't really consume much content, but you know the lessons that I learned in watching those two people's content has has really shaped how I go about creating my own
0: yeah it's that's uh, uh an important thing to to note there because um I remember watching i don 't know whether you uh, watch Peter McKinnon at all, but he, um, he had what was seemingly overnight success on YouTube. And, uh, and he, you know, he pointed out that he spent seven years making videos for this magic company and, you know, he learned how to do all of the things that he he knows how to do now. And obviously he's still learning, but there's, there's this process where you almost have to go and be inspired and, and do and read and watch every single thing, and then once you apply that, it becomes, um, it, you know, it becomes this wave <laughs> that you that you can't really stop. And and so uh, you don't always have to consume content to be making content. And it, I guess it ebbs and flows a lot. But you know, when you have so much experience and and uh, so many years behind you, um, for most people, what seems like overnight success or what seems like you're doing the right things all the time um, doesn't always come so quickly. And it's just by listening and and watching and and doing those things uh, that you you start learning how to really apply those because you can read books all day, but when you actually start applying that, that's where the magic happens. I think one hundred percent, man. Like
1: I I had several failed business attempts prior to starting Keto Savage and Keto Brick. I mean, I've got bookshelves full of you know business books and and you know nutrition books and training books and. I used to read so many books, listen to so many podcasts, and I had so much like foundation laid in just consuming that content. But the moment I had something start to gain traction, it's like, okay, I've got to, you know, switch directions from consuming to creating. And, you know, you still want to always be learning, obviously. You know, like I, I want to continue to read and listen to podcasts and audiobooks, but it, there, there definitely changes. The allocation of where you spend your time, and when you start doing, as opposed to just the whole paralysis analysis factor of you know waiting to make sure the stars align before you start, like that's that's the worst mistake you can make. Like you know you can correct from a mistake much easier than not ever starting in the first place. So I highly, highly encourage everybody. And that that kind of that can be the answer for what you were asking about. You know, common mistakes in training or nutrition or anything. Like just do. It's so much better to go do with wrong information than to not do at all.
0: Mm, yeah, that's that, and that's something that comes up so much as well. They, uh, whether someone's trying to start a ketogenic diet and they're waiting for all the right information before they start, and I often say, you know, just start and sort of ready, fire, aim. Uh, that that essence of, of 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 what I'm trying to you know convey there is that. You, uh, you don't need all of the information. All of the stars don't need to be aligned. And often when they're not is when you learn the most. Uh, and so learning Absolutely. by doing is, is so important. But, um, I, I, I was a musician for a long time. Um, and, uh, and I still love making music and doing all that sort of stuff, but I really love hearing about people's music choices and, uh, maybe some of the things that you've been listening to or some of the classics that you, that you always go back to. So do you listen to music? when you're in the gym and, um, and then, you know, taking a step back that what do you listen to in the car? What is something that you would just put on and just have a great time to Um, real quick. what, What were you, what'd you play when you were a musician? Um, so I, I was a, a guitar bass player for a while and um, <laughs> I, I, I went to university and I started jazz bass and I realized that there was no career in jazz bass <laughs> because it's just, it's just hard. And so I went and did audio technology and so I was a sound engineer for a long time but I played in a band and we toured around Australia and uh, you learn so much by doing that. But, but in, in that process, um, I also learned how to run a business and that's where I sort of am today with that.
1: Very cool, man. Very cool. Yeah, totally stole a question from there. Um, I used to play the trumpet, so I was just curious what you. What you ah,
0: awesome. Yeah, yeah, sweet.
1: But but as far as what I listen to, um, usually when I'm in the gym, I just on on average I'm listening to some kind of uh, you know rap or hip hop, and I know that sounds kind of cliche. Like a lot of people do that, but for me, it, it's it's soothing to have a beat that I can easily easily pick up on while I'm training because I train very. Fast usually. I'm, I'm supersetting my movements and I like to be able to just not take any break and, and kind of having a beat in the back of my mind. It just, I don't know, it just helps mm-hmm. um, with my training style. But that said, you know, like if I'm going through a hard time, you know, mentally or emotionally, like if I'm in a contest prep, then I'll listen to that audiobook. I mean, there's been times where I would straight up listen to, you know, meditation. I mean, I'd have like a meditation mantra, you know, <laughs> Greek. Or uh, you know, monks, you know, meditating in the background while I'm doing a heavy squat. You know, like I can get in whatever headspace I need to be in with whatever music I'm listening to, basically. Um, but with just general listening, I mean, I listen to country. I listen to uh, you know, classic rock is probably what I was raised on. So what my dad listened to. That's kind of what I was raised on. But I, I've learned to appreciate all, all music. There's not any one kind of music that I just do not appreciate. Like I can find value in. all different genres
0: yeah that that's so awesome you say that you know because um often the the question sort of alludes to uh you know the fact that maybe someone doesn't listen to music and and uh they they don't and not not take the time to to appreciate different styles but like just uh having having an awareness but but as you said like you know listening to to meditation music whilst doing squats, like there's, there's value in that. And then listening to whatever it is, like I, I know that a lot of people sort of dismiss pop as this sort of easy style of, of music that's so easy to create. But, but in actual fact, the, the complexity behind something so simple is um, often what makes it so popular. And, uh, yeah, so you answered that perfectly. I think <laughs> you're probably <laughs> the best person to answer that question right there, which is awesome. Um, well, thank and, you. I yeah, appreciate it. Uh, so so you were saying before you played the trumpet did you did you uh sort of do that through school and then was it as did you play the trumpet outside of school and that sort of stuff or was it like you were dedicated to being miles davis no no definitely not miles davis satchimo maybe oh, yeah. uh really young <laughs> um, no i I, uh, I
1: played through school and my, my mother played the trumpet as well that was kind of my introduction to it but i i love the trumpet man like, i got really good i was playing you know i did marching band and i was Hitting all the high notes and whatnot. Um, ah, that's awesome. But but yeah, Trump Trump. I think even though it was a very short stint, simply you know being in music and creating music and, and playing music like that, you you gain an appreciation for things far outside music itself. That's you know that, that's just added so much more scope to my life, and I, I I'm glad that I had that time for sure. Mm. I'd love to eventually you know, get into like playing the guitar or something. You know, sit around the campfire and play the guitar and maybe you learn to sing, but that, that's a while off.
0: You know what? I reckon you should include the trumpet or the guitar in one of your daily vlogs. <laughs> that would be awesome. That's that's yeah. one piece of content that I would love to see. Anyway, <laughs> I got to find my trumpet. It's, it's buried in
1: packaging somewhere, but I will, I will pull that thing out. I can still play the intro to uh, Final
0: Countdown on
1: the trip. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so awesome. Oh, man, include that in your daily vlog. That would be so awesome. Uh, um, and so uh, I, I guess this is sort of a great segue into this last quick question. Who are you currently inspired by? Uh, who am I currently
1: inspired by? That's a good question, man. There's so many people. Um, sort of so hard many to... People. To to pick, yeah, it's, one it's hard to pick, or two. <laughs> pick just one. I always look at, um, you know, people that are are just way, way, way beyond my you know quote unquote level of what they've accomplished. I mean, you you can see some success in life and feel like you have got things figured out and feel you know proud of. And I am proud of what I've done, but I I don't ever allow myself to get cocky or like have an ego because as soon as I start to see feel that creep up, I'll immediately you know. Think and fix it on somebody that's just totally killing it on a whole other level, and that really puts me back in my place. Like I look at, you know, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, right now. It's like, wow, he is killing it. You know, I didn't get on yeah. his level, yeah. so you yeah, know, I think I think that is good. That, and like, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, like I said, I've, I've pulled a lot of my business strategy, my my thought process around, you know, building a loyal audience and you know, playing the long game. I've pulled that from him in large part.
0: Yeah, that's, that's so awesome. I, um, uh, yeah, he, he is such an inspiration to, to so many people as well. Um, but yeah, that, that, the currently inspired question often stumps people, <laughs> but, um, you know, you, Dwayne Johnson, that's, that's so awesome. He's a, he's a, uh, a real rock. Um, Yeah. For sure, <laughs> pun intended. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so the, the very last question, um, you know, if someone was in your position that you were 10 years ago, and they weren't sure on how to, you know, start the ketogenic diet, improve their performance, um, you know, maybe learn all the ins and outs of creating a business, what would be the first piece of advice that you would give someone who is trying to have that sort of trajectory and um, and is not really sure on uh, whether it's going to be the right thing for them or whether it's going to work?
1: So when I started my business, actually when I was at Rock Bottom, Um, after I'd quit working, you know, my career at the railroad, um, I didn't have any money in the bank. I was totally broke. I wasn't on top of anything in life. I was living in Washington, you know, days away from any family. And I walked out in the woods and I asked myself, you know, what is my ideal day? What value can I add to this world? What can I do that is in line with all of my interests and builds everything up? in a symbiotic fashion. And then I reverse engineered from that. And, you know, when you look at what the ideal day for you is, and then you kind of figure out a way to tie in your skills and your passions to create that day. I mean, how cool is that? Like, like I'm not there yet, but I'm, I'm looking at where my life is headed. I mean, I've got so many big pillars, like already building a firm foundation. Like I've got crystal in my life, you know, like we train together. You know, we we do YouTube videos of us eating, and like you know, grocery haul videos of us diving into nutrition. We're building a business. We're documenting that process. Like my day to day is very, very hard and challenging and stressful, but at the same time, it is exactly what I would pick for myself. If I could just pick my perfect
0: day. You know, mm. that's that's so awesome. I uh, I really love hearing. I guess like the process behind these types of things, but also just the the amount of joy and and uh y- you know i guess realization that you've you 've found something that you really love doing and and you 're more than happy to do that every single day and and as you were saying before, even though sometimes it 's chaotic it 's still what you love doing and uh you know you can work for someone else and uh be putting in the hard hours or you can work for yourself and um put in even more hard hours, but ultimately you're, you're, you're still working for and on yourself which is which is so important so uh, you know wh- where can people find you where can people get in contact with you and uh, maybe where can where, where people can start the deeper state keto and and the keto bricks and all of that sort of stuff
1: yeah yeah so you know my brand is is keto savage so if you you know YouTube keto savage or Instagram or you know uh, just Google I've got a website ketosavagecom um, and then keto brick uh, ketobrick.com it also has its own instagram which is you know at ketobrick and then deeperstateketo.com is the the online course that i made in combination with you know matt and mega at keto connect um and those are pretty much my three big pillars at the moment as far as you know where to find me
0: yeah awesome and uh and i mean yeah all of those places will be in the show notes so if anyone wants to go check those out definitely hit pause on the podcast check out the show notes And then before you start playing the rest of the podcast, go and subscribe to the Keto Savage podcast because he's got so many great guests on there (laughs) and, uh, you know, you, you're doing so well in that, in that space. And, uh, you know, I think last time I looked you were like 80 plus episodes down. Is that right? Yeah.
1: I think I just published my 90th one on Monday.
0: Ah, there you go. Yeah. The, the, the amount of um, experience you get just by doing podcasts and talking to people and, you know, um, is is just amazing and I think you're doing such a great job so thank you so much and I'm sure we'll be in contact very very soon
1: thank you it's been an absolute pleasure I appreciate the opportunity and I can't thank you enough I mean it's just amazing
0: (laughs) no worries (laughs) all right thanks Robert Take care. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this podcast, make sure you hit subscribe to be notified next week when the podcast arrives. If you could do one small act of kindness for today, I would greatly appreciate a review from you. It's really easy and it allows me to keep making podcasts just like this one every week just for you. Head on over to fatforweightloss.com.au forward slash podcasts for the latest updates and all the show notes. Until next week.